name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are here today, O oh God, just to bring honor and glory to your name. Lord, this morning as I stand here, I want to stand by your side. And I want you to speak, O oh God, and I want to watch you do battle. Father, we pray this morning that you'd give us the grace and the strength that we need in this battle, O oh God, knowing that the time is just but so short. We pray that we would find favor in your sight, O oh God. Lord, that we would look at your great promises that you made in this hour. And Lord, that our lives would be worthy of this gospel. Forgive us, O oh God, we pray of our mistakes. Whatever they might be, O oh God, we pray and we just want to thank you once again for the vicarious blood, O oh God the life that you've given on our behalf. And truly, oh God, we can't really say I gave my life, but we can say you gave your life. And we just received it, oh God. We thank you, Father, for your tender mercies. We ask you to be with us now. We thank you for able ministers, precious brother Joseph, Lord, and brother Madiba, and brother young brother Tanasha, God, we just thank you for these men. We pray, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you'd be with us as we come to this final push, as we behold your glory, O oh God. May you give us grace and strength today, we pray. Bless your fivefold ministry all over the earth. Bless your little bride that you've called from every corner of the globe. Bless your children, Israel, and we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Father, we thank you for these things. We ask you to be with us now. And may you bless us, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. God bless you. If you have your Bibles, we'll turn straight away to Revelation chapter 8, verse 1. So our theme for the weekend is um, Seventh Seal. And I don't really think we can do justice to the subject in six services, but the both of us will put our shoulders together and trust the Lord this morning. Amen. Revelation 8, 1, and then we're gonna, also going to take Revelation 10 because, you know, the prophet said Revelation 10 was the seventh seal. Verse 1, and when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. Amen. Chapter 10, and I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven clothed with a cloud and a rainbow was about his head and his face was as it were the sun and his feet as pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book opened and he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot on the earth and cried with a loud voice as when a lion roareth and when he had cried seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders had uttered the voices, I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. You may take your seats. Amen. So firstly, we want to remember that there isn't anything in the scripture that God makes it difficult for us to understand. Because the message itself is God in simplicity. So the seventh seal has become a controversial subject because people make it controversial. 
But if we really go into the things that God's prophet taught us and go into the Bible and see the things that is written in there and also the ability that God has given us to read between the lines, in other words, you're picking up the thoughts of God, then we will begin to see that these things were actually so simple and we wonder how we miss it in the first place. So the very first subject this morning, I want to speak on the simplicity of the seventh seal. And, and I pray that God will help us to see the things that he has unveiled in this last days. And God's prophet spoke some tremendous things that uh, blew the minds of the people. There were things that he said when I first came into the message, I didn't understand a thing he was saying. And I wondered whether these things were real or not, you know, but as you get in and God begins to feed your soul, then you begin to see how God is actually unveiling himself. One of the things that the prophet of God said that was, Christ preached the seals in Matthew 24. Of course, we didn't know that. I was an Assemblies of God pastor for about six years, and these things were kind of strange to me. So he said, Jesus preached the seals in Matthew 24, but he said he omitted the seventh seal. He said he gave no symbol, but if you watch the scriptures, you will find out that Jesus was actually talking about the conditions under which that seventh seal was going to open up. In other words, even though he never gave a symbol, but he told us to watch certain conditions. Like for example, he said, as it was in the days of Noah. Because you know that the seventh seal is the coming of the Lord. So he said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be. So he was bringing in certain conditions that were going to exist under the opening of those seals. And if our spiritual eyes have been open to these things, I'm sure we would have seen that God has indeed opened that seventh seal. And that seventh seal, we'll read that quote in just a little bit, actually brought him back to earth. So God is here with us today, not the way that people imagined, not the way we were taught in a denominational church, not in the way that people even preach it denominationally in the message of the hour. But without a shadow of doubt, God is here with us. Just as He promised. God always keeps His word. And He always does things that is contrary to a man's thinking. But always perfectly in line with scripture. And if you notice the conditions in Matthew 24, particularly verses 36, 42, 44 and verse 50 of Matthew 24, the main thing Jesus seems to be saying is that the people will be unaware or unprepared for the coming of Christ. You see, because we were always taught that the coming is physical. That's what we were taught. That we were going to see a physical Jesus. But that's not the promise. That's not the way God taught it in the word. Amen. That's the way we understood it, but that's not the way that God puts it in the scriptures. Because this second coming is not the physical coming of Christ. Amen. 
In fact, this is the going away of the bride. If we can say the coming of the Lord is the going away of the bride, the rapture of the bride. Amen. And the rapture has already begun. And we are in the process of the change. Yes, sir. So we are already in the coming of the Lord. And many people think the coming of the Lord is just an instantaneous happening. They look at a scripture like, in a moment. The word in a moment, in the Greek, it comes from the word called atomos, A-T-O-M-O-S. And the word atomos actually means the changing of atoms. So in a moment does not mean a moment of time. Like it says in 1 Corinthians 4 and 17, I think it is. Our light afflictions are but for a moment. That moment means a little while. But when he said we shall be changed in a moment, that is not a twinkling of an eye as we think it is. And twinkling of an eye is actually meaning to focus your attention on something else. In other words, if somebody came into my living room and I'm sitting there, and I heard a knock on the door, and maybe I was reading, so I turn away from what I'm doing and I look at the door. That's what twinkling of an eye means. It means a change of focus. A change of direction. So the word in a moment means the changing of an atom. And you'll notice in the church age book that Brother Branham actually says that the rapture is the changing of atoms. And the change is not going to be just one second, but it's going to be from glory unto glory. From one degree of splendor to another. Amen. God is changing us every time you come to the house of God. Every time you hear the word being ministered. Every time you listen to a tape. Whatever you're doing, God is changing. We're not concerned about the outside, but God is changing the inside man. And is it one of these days, this body will not be able to contain it. The spestos is going to drop and you're going to pick up your theophany. You see, the way that Christ came, the way that he does things actually stumbles the people. 2,000 years ago when he was ascending in Acts chapter 1, the Bible said he was ascending in a cloud. And we in the church world thought that was the clouds that you see in the sky, like water vapor. And why does God need water vapor to ascend? But the Bible says a cloud. In the Old Testament, the Bible said God brought water from a rock. And they saw something that looked like a rock, but Paul said that rock was Christ. So you see, we look at everything in the natural. But if we begin to focus on the way that God is unveiling things, then you will find out that when the resurrection took place, the Old Testament saints from the dead. And in Hebrews chapter 11, Paul gives a rundown of all the heroes of the faith. By faith, Abel. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. And he goes on down the line like that. In Hebrews 12, he said, seeing that we are encompassed by such a cloud of witnesses. So which means that cloud that he ascended in was actually with the Old Testament saints. So which means when he came back in like manner, in a cloud, in this generation, that means he came back with your theophany. When you are looking at the cloud, 
today it's not a picture on the wall. It's something that God has done in your heart. That is your theophany, your representation has returned to the earth. Amen. To prepare you to enter into your real promise. And just in case you think the second coming is just a twinkling of an eye like we think it is. The first coming spanned a period of time. Began with the angel that came to Mary. So started with the angel bringing a message to the church, to the woman, Mary. Amen. That was the first coming. When he was a two-year-old boy playing with other kids out there and the wise men came in, that was his first coming. And if somebody said, that's the Messiah, who's going to believe it? A little boy playing with the neighbor, neighboring kids out there, that's Messiah. Twelve years old, just disputing with the lawyers in the temple, that was his first coming. Age of 30 when he was there in the Jordan, that was his first coming. Amen. When he was crucified, that was his first coming. When he ascended into heaven, that was his first coming. Notice, it, was a, it spanned a period of time. So I like to believe that if the first coming began with an angel coming to Mary, I believe the angel came in this generation to speak to this bride. And just as it goes through different things and we come to the second crucifixion of Christ, there's been another resurrection. It is the rising of the sun. And one of these days, we're gone. But the rapture has already begun. Now, when we look into the seventh seal, in Revelation 10, the Bible says seven thunders uttered the voices, and John said, I was about to write. He said, then the angel said, don't do that. Take what those seven thunders uttered and seal it. And the word seal is right in the middle of the sentence and it is in capital letters. Which means the seal is a person. It's a proper noun. Let's do it like this. I've got something in this envelope. So I give this to brother Joseph. And all of you see it and if I ask you, what have I given brother Joseph? You'll say, you gave him an envelope. And you're right, I gave him an envelope. But to brother Joseph, which is a personal thing, what he does, he knows there's something in there, so he breaks the seal. See, he breaks the seal. And when he breaks the seal, he says, Ma, there's a gold card there. So now when you ask brother Joseph, what did brother Stephen give you? He won't say he gave me an envelope. He said he gave me a gold card. See, when those seven thunders uttered the voices, those seven thunders were sealed. So when the seal broke, it actually uttered those thunders. Read that quote. Three of the seals book. Paragraph 248. And now as I stand in the platform tonight, I have... Don't tell me the seventh seal is not open because Brother Branham said, I had the revelation. That revealed, it's in a three 
old manner, which means you've got to put it together with Christ as the mystery of God revealed, the threefold purpose of his coming and so on, that I will speak to you by God's help a fold of it. And then let's get over, th- over that first. Now watch this. Here is the revelation to begin what I want to tell you, what it is. Notice he says what it is. What happens? Those seven thunders that he heard thunder and was forbidden to write, that's what the mystery is. So if I understand this quote, the prophet of God is telling us that the seventh seal was actually unveiling what those seven thunders had uttered. And nobody was permitted to write it. It was sealed up. It remained a mystery of an unwritten word which God had to unveil in this hour to bring us to the reality of what it is. Now having said that, I want you to understand that there is no, well in the regular world they call it fundi, there's no special man anywhere in the earth today to whom God has says, okay, you are the man for South Africa. Or you are the man for Africa. Or you are the one that's going to take the seventh seal and take it all over the world. No. That's wrong. It's a cult. It's false. Let me read this quote. Unveiling of God, paragraph 277-278. Somebody is asking Brother Branham a question. He said, well then, them seven thunders you see. Wouldn't them seven thunders blasting out, won't that be a revelation be given to some man? I said, no sir. It would be adding something to it or taking something from it. It's all revealed in there and the seven seals opened up the revelation of what that was. So which means brother Branham said those seven thunders are not going to be something going to be revealed to one man. Because that's not the way the Holy Ghost works. The same Holy Ghost that is here in South Africa is the same Holy Ghost everywhere else. So if God is unveiling through a true fivefold ministry, what is happening in this hour, God does it everywhere. There's no special man that is gifted to go and take this to everybody else. If I may say it again, the only international ministry there is, is Malachi 4. He is the voice. We are just the echoes of that voice. We are just saying what he said. Now I want you to notice that the seventh seal is the person of Christ. I want you to notice in the book of Ruth, she was given six barley sheaves. The seventh was Boaz. In the cities of refuge that God appointed for Israel, there were six cities of refuge. The seventh is Christ. In Canaan, Galilee, there were six water pots. The seventh was Christ. He said, drink from me and you'll never thirst again. The woman at the well had five husbands and the sixth was not even a husband. The seventh was Christ. So the seventh seal is the person of Christ that is here with us today. 
And he is the one that is teaching us the word. It's not the ability we have. It is not how intelligent we are. It's got nothing to do with that. It is Christ in the word bringing out the word to his children. And if we look through the scriptures and through the message of the hour, you'll find that the church is redeemed in the first four seals. Right? Because Brother Brandon plays the seventh church age in the fourth seal. The Jews are redeemed under the fifth seal. The earth is redeemed under the sixth seal. The seventh seal is the coming of the Lord. Amen. That coming was to call the bride. There were seven church ages. But there is the eighth. Amen. And God was calling his children out of the seventh. And bringing them into himself. Amen. Because he is eternity. So I want you to see that Revelation 10 has been fulfilled. Because that was the claiming of those whom he redeemed. He has redeemed us. On Calvary, the work was done. Everything was over. God had redeemed his children. But he had to come and claim his redemptive rights. Which he did in Revelation 10. And Paul was prophesying. Paul was looking forward. He was dreaming of this day. Paul was actually saying the Lord himself shall descend. But when John who represents the bride in Revelation 10, he said, And I saw another mighty angel descending. In other words, what Paul was prophesying, John was seeing being fulfilled. Feast of the trumpets, brother, answered Revelation 10 was the seventh seal. Souls in prison. He said the bride is sealed in with Christ. The last member has been redeemed. The sixth seal has produced itself. The seventh seal brings him back to earth. You believe the seventh seal is open, right? It actually brought him back to earth. Now again, let me remind you. Now many times we misquote the scripture when it speaks about what we call, we call it the Lord's Prayer. The Bible doesn't call it the Lord's Prayer. But when we pray, we say, we say something like this. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But the Bible doesn't say on earth. It says in earth. On earth will be everywhere. But in earth is here. God's will is be done in, being done in you. Thy will be done in this earth. This is the earth where he's calling you out from. This is the dust that he's raising you up from. This is where the resurrection is taking place. This is where God is calling you from. This is where he calls and you answer. If we could just go a little bit. I want to just try and bring in these church ages. Um, Bring it up with the seals. Let me just take my jacket off. Now, if you notice in Matthew 13, we say there are seven parables. I'm saying we say there are seven parables. 
And these seven parables actually represent the seven church ages. And those of you that are conversant with the message, you will know the way that Brother Branham placed the church ages into the seals is that the first three church ages come under the first seal. The fourth church age comes under the second seal. The fifth and the sixth church age come under the third seal. And the seventh church age comes under the fourth seal. We understand that, don't we? Now, if you notice in Matthew 13, we're not going to take the time to turn into it. You can read it at home. I'm sure you've already read that. You will see that those first three parables are about seed. Right? The kingdom of heaven is like unto a sower that went forth to sow seed. Second one, a sower went forth to sow seed and somebody came and sowed seeds of discrepancy. Third parable is, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like unto mustard seed. So the first three parables are about seed. And, and Luke 8.11 says, the seed is the word of God. And Brother Branham said, the anointing that came under the first seal was the anointing of the lion. And the lion brought the word, the original word to St. Paul. So the first three church ages were affected by that anointing. And the fourth parable, which is the fourth church age, which is the second seal. The Bible says that the kingdom of heaven is like unto a woman. That took three measures of meal, which is the Trinity doctrine. The Roman Catholic Church, right? Thyatira. That's where the Trinity doctrine became an article of faith. And she took three measures of meal and she put leaven in it. And so it got the church to believe that God is actually three persons. When the Bible clearly declares He's only one person, the Almighty God. But He came and, and expressed himself as Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, which is really only one God. So here's the fourth seal, which comes under, a fourth church age rather, coming under the second seal, with a fourth parable. A woman taking leaven and making three lumps of the meal and caused the whole thing to be leavened. The whole thing was leavened. The whole thing became corrupt. And the Trinity doctrine is not just that Trinity doctrine that we think of today or what we were taught in the churches and so on. Brother Branham even called it a Trinity of Spirits. He called it the White House Rider, Red House Rider, Black House Rider, Trinity of Spirits. And those Trinity of Spirits are among the message community. So I want you to notice after the fourth parable, Jesus brings an interval. He begins to explain now. He was telling them what the parable of the soul was all about. So he went through four parables and he brings in an interval. He stops. And then he says something and then he brings in the last three again. Now, we might wonder, but why is he doing something like this? But if you go into the Jewish feasts, you will see the first four 
feast was the Passover, the unleavened bread, first fruits and Pentecost, were all done in the first three months. And then there's an interval. Nothing happens in the fourth, fifth and sixth months. Then in the seventh month, it brings in trumpets, atonement and tabernacles. So which means that God was actually showing us something. The reason why he had to have this little interval and then come back with the fifth, sixth and seventh. I don't have a picture of the candlesticks. But if you know the seven golden candlesticks, you know that Brother Branham even said that the one that they lit first was the one in the middle. They never started in the side. The one in the middle. That was the candlestick and the others were the branches. So he lit the first one. Then he went to the second one, Irenaeus. Then he went to Martin. Then he went to Columba. In other words, the church was getting worse and worse and worse. Further and further away from the light. Original light. Then interval. Then the interval, it comes this way. It comes to the fifth. Now the light's coming back. Then he comes to the sixth. Then he comes to the seventh. But seventh is Pentecost. So if you want to come back to what God wants you to be, you've got to come back to the first one. Which will be your eighth day. Which will be your bright age. So God was showing the reason why he was having it done like this in the scripture. Because Brother Branham said the numerology of God is perfect. So notice even in the church ages, Revelation chapter 2 was four church ages. Interval, chapter 3, the next three church ages. God was always doing it this way to show the bride exactly what his program is. Amen. And Brother Branham also said there's always something great that happens in an interval. There was an interval between the six and the seven church ages. Interval between the six and the seven seal. Interval between the six and the seven trumpet. Between the six and the seven vials. Always an interval something was happening. We don't have the time to go into that. But you can study that interval and you'll see that every time something great was happening. That, and that's where the people miss it. In the interval. Because the interval actually means a silence. They couldn't pick up the silence. Now, <clears throat> I just want to read this. In the fifth parable, which is Matthew 13, verse 44, it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field. The which one a, a man. There's not a woman now. This is a man. Hath found. It's a singular man. And for joy goeth by. And selleth all that he hath. And buyeth that field. Now notice the third living creature is the man. And under the man anointing came Luther and Wesley. The fifth and the sixth church ages. So according to the scripture, Jesus is saying that a man found treasure in a field. And the field is the world. So Luther never found Christ in the church. He found the treasure outside. 
So you see, this is speaking about Martin Luther. And when he found that treasure for joy, he goes and sells everything that he had. And he buys that field. You see, he gave up everything that he studied for. He studied to be a Catholic priest. He was a lawyer. He was all of those great things. Amen. He gave all those things up for the treasure that he found in the field. Verse 45 and 46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man. Again, a man, you see, because the sixth one is a man, John Wesley. Seeking goodly pearls. Who, when he had found one pearl of great price, which was sanctification. He went and sold all that he had and he bought it because he was also an Anglican. Church of England. Great minister, whatever he was, he studied, was also a very well learned man because remember, the man anointing comes under wisdom of men. So both Luther and Wesley were highly educated, great men in the, in the society, well respected, well spoken. Amen. Because that was under the anointing of a man. God was using the wisdom of the man now to confound the devil. That's the fifth and the sixth. Then verse 47 to 50 is the parable of the dragnet. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a net, which Brother Bram said they threw into the waters out there. And when they drew, he said it brought in all kinds, wiggle tails, snakes and lizards and whatever, and fish and everything. Amen. There had to come a separation. And as you will, they will say, and in the last days, he will send down his servants to separate those things. So we know it's an end time parable. Amen. So that's seven. But you know there's an eighth parable here. Because even the scholars speak about seven parables. There's an eighth one here right in verse number 52. Therefore every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is like unto Malachi 4. Amen. That is an householder. Which bringeth for treasure, out of his treasure, things new and old. He was the only one that made Job of the Old Testament become Jesus of the New. He was able to tie the Old and the New Testament together, shadows and types, and show us exactly what the Bible is. And if there ever was a man that made the Bible live for me, it was Brother Branham. And he said, the only way the Word is a living Word is when it lives in you. Now, we often talk about seven Jewish feasts. And there are seven Jewish feasts in Leviticus 23, but there's an eighth one. In Leviticus 25, it's called the Feast of Jubilee. And the Feast of Jubilee is for every slave that was enslaved for debts they could not pay. Amen. But the year of Jubilee, they would be free. It doesn't matter how much they owed. It doesn't matter uh, what it was, what kind of property it was. The slave master can come and show IOU certificates and signatures and whatever. According to the word of God, it's all canceled. And you know what? The Jubilee trumpet sounded on the 10th day of the 7th month, which is Revelation 10.7. Which means when Brother Branham was sent to the earth, it was a Jubilee feast for the bride. It means you that were enslaved to your denominational churches, 
to message personalities and to camps and whatever those things might have been. God has set you free. They can bring all kinds of things and say, but you know what? You owe me. You don't owe anybody anything. God has set you free. Notice in Revelation 2 and 3, the seven church ages. But at the end of the seven church ages, what does John say? And I heard a voice say unto me, come up hither. Get away from Laodicea. Come up hither. It says, and I saw a door open in heaven. What door? Not a door like, like that there. No, no, there's no doors like that in heaven. Amen. No, no. Heaven is a dimension. There hasn't got houses there. He said, when I saw a door open in heaven, an open door is the opening of the word. I saw the word opening. I saw the unveiling of Christ. I saw things that are to be. I saw all of these things. You see, that's what the Bible is teaching us. So God couldn't deal with you like that in Laodicea to pull you out. Get you into the headstone. Which is the eighth part of the pyramid. So that you and the headship could become it. That's what God has been doing in this generation. May the Lord help us. Is my prayer. I'm going to use a quote here, but I want to use again one of the other services. To me, this is, I wouldn't call it ridiculous, but one of the most amazing quotes that really struck my heart and made me have a look at the message in a new light about 30 some odd years ago. When I read this quote, it just struck me. And this is what he says. Christ the mystery, paragraph 105. Now God had a purpose and a hidden mystery. Notice, God had a purpose and a hidden mystery. That's what I want to speak on to the church this morning. The hidden mystery of God that he had in his mind before the world ever began. And how that has unfolded itself right down to this present hour that we are living. See, and, where, and then you will understand clearly on, I believe, what is being done. Then he says, God's great mystery, it's a secret. He kept it a secret. Nobody knew nothing about it. Even the angels didn't understand it. He didn't reveal it. That's the reason under our seventh mystery, when the seventh seal was opened, there was silence. When I read that, I thought, my, Paul never said anything like this. And when I was, uh, you know, preaching in the denominational church, I loved reading. I would read uh, men like William Barclay and, and, and Matthew Henry and those people and so on. But not one of them, with all the education that they had, Here was a man with a 7th grade education. He is telling me, I want to tell you what was in God's mind. So then how is he going to go into God's mind? Which means he wants to break into God's secret. Something that he kept a secret. Throughout the generations. And now William Branham is telling me, I want to tell you what was in God's mind. 
And notice what it says. Angels didn't understand it. He didn't reveal it. But he said, I want to tell you what it is. And this brings the message of the hour to a new perspective. What God has been unveiling in this hour. The things he's been doing. And if we had the time, we can go into some of these things here. Let me just read a few quotes. Let me just read one quote. Page 504 of the Seals book. Now please, I'm not used to all these fancy gadgets. I've got nothing against it. I don't use, uh, you know, the table. I like reading my books and listening to the tapes. And, and uh, I'm still from the old school, you know. The school that got burned down, they say. You know, so. All right, he says, um, Jesus never spoke of it. John couldn't write it. Angels know nothing about it. So what is it? He's asking the question. He gives the answer. It's the thing that Jesus said, even the angels of heaven didn't know nothing about it. See, he didn't know it himself. He said only God would know it. You see, Brother Branham is actually telling us that what the angels didn't know is what God has been doing in this day. The reason why he had to keep it a secret, he said, because if the devil knew anything about it, he would have done great damage. But the devil knew nothing about the coming of Christ. The first bride in Eden was defied before her husband could get to her. The second bride that started on the day of Pentecost got defiled before Christ could marry her. But this bride, He's already married. And the devil didn't know it. Because this is the third pole. Amen. This is God's secret. How we came and he even called it an invisible union. Devil didn't know anything about it. Amen. So God had come in this generation and united himself to this bride. He said now. But he told us when we begin seeing these signs coming up. And then he asked the question, now you're getting somewhere? Alright, notice he begin to see these signs coming up. So Jesus was saying, when you see the days of Noah repeating, then you must know the hour is here. We're going to go that into our third service, my third service, God willing. So, brother and sister, then what does this mean to you and I? this seventh seal so by the grace of God I like just to bring this very simple so that you'll understand it's not some great mathematical equation that you have to work out because that's what ministers try to make it seem to be and the people are busy scratching their heads could it be couldn't it be but yet it's supposed to be simple So if I may say this to you in this way, that I believe that the seventh seal is God revealing the word to you in your soul. Because if it does not come down to practical things, then where's Christianity then? God never made anything so difficult for you to comprehend. Everything, what we call profound or deep, God calls it simple. 
Again, if you'll notice, when Brother Branham was preaching those seals, he began with God in simplicity. And after he preached the seals, he goes to Albuquerque, New Mexico, and he preached God in simplicity. So if we begin to look at it with the eyes of intellectual understanding, with that mental faith, which is a greater part of our faith, Brother Branham said, until he said, you let that mental faith drop down, that it could become a spiritual revelation. And then you will be able to see exactly what God has been doing. Amen. Now notice, too many times, we look at the realm of the flesh and the spirit. And we actually miss what God was actually intending to do in your soul. Remember the first pull, the flesh was being contacted. Is that right? The flesh, the body. Because the first pull was healing. Whatever sickness you had, you came the first pull, was an operation, and we noticed the, your, your body got well. The second pull was the realm of the spirit. Where the spirit was contacted by discernment. And then that spirit will tell you that you are so and so, you've done such and such a thing and you've got such and such a problem. Thus saith the Lord you healed. That was the spirit realm. But the third pull, Brother Branham said is the opening of the word. He said it is the opening of those seven seals. He called it the revealing of the mysteries. So where does he do that? You can't do that in your flesh. You can't do that in your spirit. Because the devil tampers with your flesh and your spirit. But he's got to do it in a place where the devil cannot touch. So in the realm of the soul, what God is doing is he's unveiling himself to you. Now Brother Branham said that David on the outside was a cockleburr. You know cockleburrs is spiky little... Uh, little thorn, thorny thing that you get out there in the fields. They call it a cockleburr. He said, David on the outside was cockleburr. On the inside, he said he was wheat seed. Now, did you ever think as to why when Brother Branham was on Sunset Mountain getting ready for the commission that God had called him for and God was waiting. Everything was on time, but God was waiting. Because God does everything according to his set time. So Brother Branham bent down and out of his trouser leg he pulled out a cockleburr. And the minute he pulled out the cockleburr there was a blast of thunder. Seven angels appeared. Why was God waiting for him to pull the cockleburr out? Because God was showing us that the opening of the seals had nothing to do with William Branham. Nothing to do with the men. It was God Almighty doing it Himself. The days of men are over. Brother Branham was just the voice of the Almighty God ministering what we had need of. Amen. So waited for the cockleburr showing that the human nature was being taken away and the divine nature of God was coming down and opening up to you and I the word of God that was hid from ages and generations to show us from the scriptures, right from Genesis to Revelation, the opening of the word. And remember the seven seals is not horse riders. 
The prophets said the seven seals is the whole Bible. From Genesis to Revelation. In the seals book, he said there was a sealed mystery on the inside of the book. It's about on the outside was the white horse rider, the red horse rider and so on. You see, the first seal was not the white horse rider. Second seal was not the red horse rider. The sealed mystery was inside the book. And the sealed mystery in the book is you. You see, because you didn't know it. You didn't know who you were. You didn't know where you come from. You thought you were the son of Mr. and Mrs. Francis. Amen. But when the seal opened in your soul, then you could say, I believe I am not the son of Mr. and Mrs. Francis. Because the opening of the seal in your soul showed you your spiritual genealogy. That you come from the Logos, you've gone back to the Logos. You come from God, you've gone back to God. You and God have become one today to fulfill the promise that Jesus made that in that day you shall know that I am in you and you are in me. So this is not a Sunday school picnic. This is not storytelling time. This is the time when the word is becoming flesh. And the flesh is becoming word. And the word going back to word again. That's the hour we are living in. That's what the prophet of God taught us. That's what this message is doing. Because Jesus made that promise at that day. And brother Bram said that day is this day when you will know. It's not a probability. It's not a perhaps. Not maybe. Not you might feel it. It's about you will know that I am in you. You are in me and we are one. The purpose of the opening of the seventh seal is to make you and Christ become one. To bring you back what you were in the beginning because in the beginning you were in Christ. And if you were in Christ before the world began, then you are in Christ at the end. Now notice, in... The Bible, we notice there are three heavens. Right? Paul was caught up into the third heaven. First heaven, we call it just the atmosphere around us. Second heaven, we can call where the stars and the moon and everything is. But the third heaven is not a physical place. In fact, Brother Branham said, heaven is right here in this building right now. In a dimension that is faster than this one. And if I may say this. When we begin to see how the rapture is taking place, we see it through the dimensions. We need to understand what those dimensions are. We need to see what the appearing and the coming of Christ has been in the last days. Because that's where we begin to lose our focus. That's where we begin to miss things. So notice, there were heavens. In the tabernacle of witness that God called Moses to build... The Bible tells us it was, there was three courts out there, right? Outer court, inner court, most holy place. And if you would like to put that together, you can say first pool, second pool, third pool. First heaven, second heaven, third heaven. Body, spirit, soul. It all 
meets up together. And notice when God gave Moses that vision of the tent, even though the first two parts of the tent was necessary and was part of the journey yet to go that way, to meet with God, but the actual meeting place was behind the veil. And behind the veil was not for more than one person. It was just for one person with Almighty God. In other words, that is an individual affair that you are having with the Almighty God. In the outer court, there was a bunch of people. Amen. All kinds of people out there bringing their little sacrifices, make a lot of noise and so on. Amen. And the second court was ministers. And Brother Branson, if you want to see a bunch of confusion, get some ministers together. So, but you have to go beyond that. And when you go beyond that, you are now behind the veil. And the strange thing is God asked Moses to make every part of the tabernacle with the, with the skins of clean animals. Ram skins, goat skins, and lamb skins, and oxen, whatever. But when it came to the veil that separated God from his people to use an unclean animal, it's the most vicious animal in all the world. It's called a badger. Even the word badger, if you look in the dictionary, it means to be troublesome. So God uses the unclean skin of an animal, an unclean animal, the most vicious animal. You know, a badger is not even afraid of a lion. You can read it up. They're not afraid. They're not afraid of anyone. And they always go in bunches. Three or four of them at the time, like you get them in the church. Always causing trouble. Three or four of them come. They got this complaint, that complaint, whatever they have. Amen. Just a badger. But the reason why I believe that God was showing the badger's skin was because by nature we are badger. We came into the world speaking lies. We were conceived in sin, shaped in iniquity. We did everything that was wrong. But behind this veil, God put something there which Brother Brandon said is the size of your fingernail. He placed the word right in your soul. In other words, he did not wait for you to clean your life up. He did not wait for you to repent. He did not wait for you to come to age. But even before you were born, he placed that word in your soul. So when the great Jehovah Eagle came in this hour, he didn't come to pick up clean people, but he came to pick up those in whom he placed the word. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. And notice, brother and sister, we have always been bothered with this body and the spirit. Because that's where all our problems happen. Notice in the outer court, inner court, and the most holy place, there was light. Outer court had... It was open so that starlight, moonlight, sunlight, everything. So, but that place is not the right place to be because sometimes the clouds come and block everything out. 
So you go through some dark times, some stormy times. Then the inner court had seven golden candlesticks, which is the seven church ages. And those candlesticks never stayed alight all the time. Sometimes the wick will collect carbon, so you have to come and just cut it up. Sometimes you got to fill up oil. Sometimes you got to pat the person in the back and tell them you're all right. And so you, you got to do all of those things. Baby the people up. But when you go behind the veil, there's no priest lighting anything. There's no sunlight or moonlight, but it's a Shekinah light of the Almighty God. Which Brother Branham said is a glowing light. It just glows. Amen. Nobody can put it off. Amen. Because it doesn't go off. It's the Almighty God right there in the most holy place. And He's there with you. And you are feeding off this light. And when the light comes upon you, then you'll come out of the glory of God from that place. No time to gossip because who are you going to gossip with you by yourself? You can't stand there and tell God, look at this guy, look at that guy, look at him. He's to blame for this. No, no, no. It's just you and God. It's what God is doing with your life. See, this is what the seventh seal is all about. Then you notice in those three courts, they had different types of food. Amen. In the outer court, they had manna. But that manna only lasted for a while. The next day, it contaminated, got maggots, it got rotten. That's why God told them, you just speak enough for the day. So that's what they had in the outer court. In the inner court, they had shoe bread. Okay, in the outer court, it lasted one day. The shoe bread lasted from Sabbath to Sabbath, seven days. But in the most holy place, there was hidden manna. Placed right there in the Ark of the Covenant. And that manna never ran dry. Never lost its sweetness. It never had to be replaced. It was Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today and forever. And that's what God wants you to feed on. Because he said to him that overcometh, I will give him to eat of the hidden manna. I don't want the manna on the outside. That gets going to get rotten tomorrow. I don't want church age food anymore. That's over. But I want to get behind the veil. I want to see what God is doing in my soul. And you see, in order to get behind the veil, you have to go beyond the candlesticks. It means you got to go past seven church ages and get into the eighth day behind the veil where you can have fellowship with the Almighty God. There's no man there, it's just you and God. Now, the body can be afflicted by all kinds of sicknesses. The spirit can be touched by the devil when he brings in problems and persecutions. But if you are truly born again, there is a gene seed which God has dramatized on the inside of the inside, which gives you comfort in the times of adversity. Somehow, Whether you are sick or persecuted. 
it does not shake your faith in God. But the people who have not come into the realization of what God has actually done, sicknesses come, persecutions come, they fall off the bus, they're gone, they leave the church, find some other place and so on, and they don't realize that the problem is not the church, they are the problem. So wherever they go, they take the problem with them. See, it does not shake your faith. In fact, the more the devil strikes you, the more homesick you become. Praise his holy name. I want you to notice, people identify themselves with the message of this day, yet there are many who make contact in the flesh. Or the spirit. And Brother Branham said, God gave you the five cents of the flesh not to contact God, but to contact your earthly home. So what do we do? Well, I'm not feeling well today, so I'm not going to go to church. See, you're a flesh man. I'm tired. I worked so hard today. It was overtime and I'm so tired. I think I need to take a break. Best place to take a break is in Christ. You feel refreshed when you come into the house of God. When you begin to sing and worship God. When the word of God comes and it begins to bathe your soul. That gives you comfort. That gives you rest. And when the word strikes the flesh. Watch carefully now. I'll close in a few minutes. Ten minutes maybe. When the word strikes the flesh, the people rejoice for a while. Come out of the church. My, I really enjoyed that service. It was so nice. The brother said this, the pastor said that, and so on. And they begin to share with one another. But the next day, they're down in the dumps again. They've gone back to work and is down in the dumps again. They're miserable again. And then they start fighting and bickering and quarreling. But what happened? Yesterday you were so much in the spirit. You said the word was so good. What happened? You see, what really happened was you were contacting God in the flesh realm. That is why we go through what we go through we need to find our spiritual positions in Christ we need to know exactly where God wants us to be and we need to make that contact with God within the realm of the soul amen you know brother Branham said one time something that really blew my mind one time when I first came into the message and brother Branham said you can have the Holy Ghost 24 hours and go to hell I said what have the Holy Ghost 24 hours and go to hell and yeah I've been preaching my heart out in the assemblies of God get the baptism of the Holy Ghost speak in tongues and do those things and yeah brother Bram said you can have it 24 hours and go to hell it was only when the seventh seal opened up to me way back I think in 1987 it was when I was preaching these things and it was only then I realized what he was saying was true Because you can have the Holy Ghost 24 hours on your flesh. You're going to go to hell. You can have it 24 hours on your spirit and you can go to hell. You see, because the Holy Ghost 
is the revelation of the word. So when you're receiving the revelation of the word as you're sitting there, and if it is just anointing your flesh, you're not going anywhere. With some, it goes a little more. And it strikes the spirit. You see, because these people who get afflicted or have the, the word coming to them in the realm of the flesh, and you'll find that they have little problems and so on, and then they want to leave the church, and then they call the pastor, I'm not coming to church no more, and I've got this problem, my wife is giving me problems here, and I, I started drinking, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing that, and then they want to leave the church, and they go. And mainly, they don't cause problems in the church. The ones who cause the problems are those who receive the word in the spirit. They don't leave the church, mostly. They'll stay there. And every fault you can think of, they'll find the pastor's wrong in this, the deacons are like this, and the church is like that, and ways this, and ways that. And My goodness, these people are just criticizing everything. You know why? Because unknowingly, they are serving God with the five senses of the Spirit, which is imagination, memory, reason, affection, and conscience. See, the imagination begins to work. The word comes, they start imagining. Then the memory begins to wake up. If only I could do this and remember I did that. You see, memory wakes up. Then reason, well, if I place this here and place this there. Then the affection. You know what, if it wasn't for God, I wouldn't even come to church because I don't like that one. I don't like the way that one says. If only I wasn't a Christian, well, you're not a Christian to begin with. And some people get affected by the conscience. And they think it's the Holy Ghost. But in the meantime, the conscience is bothering them. And the conscience tells them, I think, you know, you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be saying that, you know. And then they go and apologize. I'm very sorry, but then they do it again. You know why? Because the word has been striking the spirit. So these people last a whole time longer in the church. Than those whose flesh was anointed. But the effects were off. And they start complaining too. Because remember these spirit, people in the spirit realm. They come and they tell you. My dad, I really enjoyed the scripture. And they start giving you quotes. You know brother Branham said this. The Bible says that. And so and so said this. And they give you quotes. My and you think. My this guy is really spiritual. Now, you see, we're talking about the practical element of the seventh seal. What the person of Christ is doing for you in the realm of your soul. So all this fault finding and so on like that, and you'll find that these people in the spirit realm, they won't even pay their tithe. I don't preach tithe in our church. I can preach it elsewhere. And even if the Jews pay the tithe, they want to find out what's happening. You see, we don't need to be that way. One of the brothers from Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe ministers are really good preachers, most of them. 
And the one minister came to our church in Newcastle. He said, you know what? I will never want to live next door to a man that doesn't pay his tithe. He said, because if he can steal from God, he might break into my house and steal from me. I didn't mean that as a joke, but as Brother Bram said, the pulpit is not a place for making jokes and so on. But you see, what I'm trying to say is, when people are affected in the realm of the spirit, because remember, no matter who you are, you are body, spirit, and soul. According to the Bible, you are body, spirit, and soul. And maybe we didn't quite understand what it actually involves. And if I may just bring this to you in a very simple way, just to show you that God is actually operating in you in the realm of your soul. Not the body, not the spirit, but right there in the soul is where God is operating. Let me read a few quotes here. Thinking man's filter. Notice now. Woman, they want to have bobbed hair, they want to wear shorts, paint, makeup, these little bikinis and things that they wear nowadays. They want to do it and yet they want to go to church. You see that anointing is upon the spirit, not upon the soul. Leadership. Paragraph 165. Your physical contacts are physical. Your spiritual contacts the spiritual. But inside of that, you've got a soul. That soul is that gene that comes from God. The token. Oh my, if you only could catch the thought of it. If I had the power this morning with words to express and place into your soul. Not your ears, but your soul. If you could see the guarantee of it. And know it did not. But down on the inside of the man, if that little tie post had been there, that seed of God that was predestinated before the foundation of the world, I don't care what takes place, it holds him, it's there to stay. Soul's in prison. But that soul that's in there, that soul is what God is working on. Christ revealed in his own word, paragraph 30. See, that Holy Spirit can fall upon a man in his spirit. But his soul is his germ. And that germ is the word. So you see, Brother Bram is actually telling you the Holy Spirit can fall on your spirit. It's going to produce something. Because whenever the Holy Ghost falls, it must produce something. It falls in the flesh, it's going to produce. But if it falls on your soul, it also is producing something. A true sign that's overlooked is that this old body still belongs to Satan. And he knows that. He will take it at the end time. He'll crush it and send it back till the bugs of the earth will crawl into it and eat it up. But he'll never touch the soul. For it's the precious treasure of God. I love that. It's the precious treasure. Treasure of God. That's the reason God places the word in the soul because that is out of bounds to Satan. Satan cannot touch that. He can make you sick. He can give you heart trouble, cancer, diabetes, whatever. All those things can come upon your flesh. He can let thoughts cross.
Lost your mind in the realm of the spirit. It can do all kinds of things in that realm. Amen. But when it comes to your soul, he cannot touch that. You know why? Because you have received the seed and the womb of life is closed and you cannot even commit adultery. Amen. Sarah and Abraham. Abraham said to God one day, when God told him, I am thy exceeding great reward and thy shield. And he said, Lord, what will you give me seeing I have no seed? That's what he said. I have no seed, but God said, you got a seed. I put it there. It's not yet the time. When the hour arrives, that seed will be made manifest. And God was breaking that word little by little to Abraham. Because God doesn't do it all at the same time. If he does everything at the same time, we would have been gone in the rapture a long time ago. But by little and little, we are possessing. We are taking control. Amen. And God is just feeding you. Word upon word upon word. And one of these days, this body will not be able to contain it no more. And you're going to be gone. Don't confess negatively. Don't say, I am sick. You'll really be sick. Don't say, I'm not worthy. You really won't be. Don't say, I'm not predestinated. You tell yourself, I'm a son of God. I come from God. I am the word made flesh in this hour. I and my father are one. Amen. You just confess positively and believe what you speak. And when you believe what you speak, that's what you become. So then, saying the seventh seal then is God unveiling the word to you in the realm of the soul. It's as simple as that. Amen. Because once that word is there, because remember, you didn't bring it in. God put it there. So what he's doing is he's just germatizing it. And as he germatizes it, and what's happening is the word inside of you is receiving the word that is being preached. Amen. So it's word coming to word. And as the word comes to word, the word inside yes says amen to the word that's coming there. Because as we sang the song, we are in agreement. Heaven is in agreement. Heaven is right here. Heaven is right there in your soul. Your soul is heaven. That's where God's at. Amen. And God is actually feeding you His divine word and bringing the oracles of the Almighty God and making flesh in your own flesh. You believe that? Let's stand together. Can we just bow our heads for a few moments? I'm sorry, but I have to leave right away. I've got to go to a wedding about 180 kilometers away from here. I've got to rush back to the wedding, which is starting at 1 o'clock. So if you'll just pardon me, we'll be back tonight, amen, for the services tomorrow. Let's just pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we are so 
happy, O oh God, that you brought us to this place. But at the same time, we are, we don't feel good that we are bound by the constraints of time when we got to do certain things. We believe that you are the God of eternity. When you said in this hour, the time shall be no more, you were not looking at our watches or our calendars because you don't look at calendars, you don't look at watches. But time shall be no more is when your prophet said, we came into a body called time, which meant the time for this body is done. Our theophany is here. We love you, we appreciate you. We just want to thank you for the simplicity of your message that you brought to us in this day, that you had to use a messenger with a seventh grade education. Lord, a man who did not even know his grammar right, but he didn't have to have grammar. We know that he had you, and he brought us that word. And for him to tell us, oh God, I want to tell you what was in the mind of God before the world began. Lord, what a privilege, what a great honor it is, oh God, that we could be here today to rejoice in the things that you have done. May you bless us, oh God. Pray for your precious servant, our brother Joseph, Lord, as he would bring the word tonight. I know the people are in great expectation. He's a man of good report, a noble man, oh God. May you bless him in a great and mighty way, oh God. That he would break the bread of life to your children. And may they feed on that body word, O oh God. Forgive us once again of our shortcomings, O oh God. May you be with us now. And may you bless us, Father, as we commit the rest of the service into your hands. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. God bless you. God bless you, Parson. How many were blessed by the weight? We were just starting. God bless you, brother. Steve, he just needs to rush to Kruger's door, but he's coming back this afternoon just to officiate a wedding there. Uh, and we really appreciate his coming here. He was meant to be in the Philippines for the conference, but he thought we'd bring his much closer. Amen. Just a round of applause for the men of God. Just give us a worshiping song. Amen. Yevelin Amanda. Amen. I pray the name of the Lord as well.
afternoon we pray with all sincerity in our hearts Lord Jesus Christ we come and we speak like the preacher was saying we believe we are redeemed we believe we are the sons and daughters of God we believe we are the gem of God being made manifest in this day dear father we believe we are healed if we were feeling sick we believe we are delivered if we are bound by situations. Father, we are not those that are operating in the realm of the flesh anymore. We are going beyond the flesh and the spirit. We are saying, Father, may the relationship of our behavior come from within our soul. Almighty God, we are going beyond the realm of the outer court. Beyond the inner court, O oh, Father, into the Shekinah glory. May that shame that has been veiled behind our badger skin, Lord, be made manifest as we go out of this place. 
Father, may these words that we have heard not depart from our mouth, Lord Jesus Christ, but may our lives be the personification of the life of Jesus Christ, O God. I pray for every soul that is in divine presence this afternoon. Dear God, that the Holy Spirit may minister to them, O Father. Lord Jesus Christ, that the simplicity of this seventh seal can be a sermon that can be read by those that are without and even those that are within. Father, that they may see that they are people, Lord, that have seen their names in the book. They are a people, Lord Jesus Christ, who are seeing the unveiling and manifesting the same unveiling, O God. We thank you, dear Father, for Pastor Steve, Lord Jesus Christ, for the labors of love, Oh God, seeing a gallant soldier, an old veteran of the gospel, still standing firm on the word, Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that you give him days ahead of him. Strengthen his hands for the war that we are raging in this hour. Father, we pray that he may continue to labor for thee. Bless them now as they have left, oh God. Protect them on the highways. We know there is a mamba on the highway. But we thank you for the eagle anointing that can bind the mamba. That's on the highway, Father. We pray for your children that will be coming in the afternoon. I pray that we come with our empty cups, Lord Jesus Christ. Ready to hear from you, O God. We thank you for this takeoff, Lord. And we know, Father, we are going to be in greater heights for the service ahead. We pray as we commit every, everything and everyone that is here. And every program that shall proceed. Ahead of us, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Amen. Uh, we will be back here at half past three. Let's just be punctual so that we release you early. Uh, and the locals that may have challenges with their transport, we request them to see the deacons, uh, Brother Philip and Brother... Banyana and Brother Watt, and then they will arrange something for you after the second service. Amen. But don't miss the service because of transport. We can arrange something. God bless you richly. Just give us two jubilant songs. Then after you are dismissed, uh, exactly uh, half past three, we are back. Amen. Brother Steve will join us back in the afternoon, but we'll have Brother Joseph Latola in the afternoon. Amen. God bless you richly. Just remember him in prayer during the interval. Amen. Avumile Eutingipu Mele Amazulu Amazulu Avumile
Let's go now. 